Hi, I'm Ken Kessler, and welcome to the Sounds of Christmas podcast. If you're new to this podcast, I'd like to start by saying thank you for joining us. If you're not so new, welcome back. Either way, I'm glad you're here. Now, to avoid any confusion, I want to say that there won't be any music played here. This is a place for conversation. I'll talk about Christmas music and some related topics, sometimes by myself and sometimes with guests. If you're looking for music, just go to soundsofchristmas.com and click on the tree or the player on the front page or on the Listen Now page. We play the best variety of Christmas music all year long. Well, except in October when we play the best variety of Halloween music. I'm very happy to welcome musician, producer, songwriter, award-winning composer, Tommy Prophet to the podcast. Hi, Tommy. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Appreciate you having me. Happy to have you on. You have quite the impressive resume for anybody who doesn't know the name Tommy Prophet. You've worked with lots of people that our listeners certainly know, Hunter Hayes, Avril Lavigne, to name just a couple. You produced a rap single. Is Let You Down, is that is it rap? Is it mainstream? How would you even? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be probably in the hip hop category for sure uh, okay. on top 40 radio. Yeah. Cause uh, you produced the single for, uh, for NF and it hit number one on the top 40 chart and it's over a billion streams worldwide. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that was a crazy experience. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. You've also produced a cover of in the end by Lincoln park, not Lincoln parks version, a cover of that. That's got over 20 billion views, views and streams across the board. You've got productions that have nine platinum singles, 16 gold singles, two platinum albums, and a gold album. Again, wow. That's, that's, that's amazing. And that's, and that's in a relatively short time, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say probably the last uh, five or six years or so. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Mm, thank you. If you're very welcome, if if you want to check out his work, find Tommy on uh, on YouTube. the The videos will really will will blow you away. It's incredible. I do have one question to ask you. Term that I'm not familiar with. It's called sync placement, and you've got tons of your your productions placed sync placement in stuff that lots of people have seen. What exactly is a sync placement? <laughs> So yeah, a sync placement is just when you like have your music used in a TV show or like a movie trailer or TV promo. That's like a big part of what I do is like cinematic music for promos and trailers and the TV and film industry. So they use it in, in the show. And so when they use your song in the show, they, it's just called a sync placement, a sync license that they use your song in the show. And cinematic music <laughs> is something that has been huge for you for a long time your christmas album the birth of a king that came out last year you referred to it as a cinematic christmas album and it's been something that has been on your plate something you've been working towards for for quite a while yeah actually i've wanted to make that album since 2005 so it was it was exactly 15 years um that I'd just been planning it, dreaming it, just saying one day I'm going to do this. And then I just never could get around to it because I had too much on my plate. And then I guess it took a worldwide pandemic and quarantine to, for me to finally have time to myself <laughs> to get some of it done. That's literally why I was able to do it last year, 2020, 
was just because that no one was kind of going out and doing recording sessions and I was able to just lock in and work on this project that I've always, I wanted to make it since I was in college. Now, cinematic music to me evokes the idea that you listen to the song and you can sort of see a movie of it in your head, sort of see yeah. the story. Is, is that what you mean by that or is it, or is there more to it? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think people probably define cinematic a little differently across the board, but like for me, cinematic is like something that sounds like, yeah, would, something that would go in a movie or something uh, like epic, like really big, you know, a lot of orchestra stuff, right? Strings and brass and like the background music to a Marvel movie, right? Like that kind of powerful, epic, regal cinematic sound. That's, that's a lot of the stuff that I do. For, um, for The Birth of a King, how did you decide? Well, let's start this. What was the inspiration that drove you to put this together? Well, like I said, when I was in 2005, I was actually a student in college in a music class. And one of our assignments was to like reimagine a Christmas song. And so I, I did the, the arrangement of Joy of the World that's on the record. I did that in college and I just, I had so much fun doing it. I was like, man, someday I want to do a, a whole album of Christmas songs where I, I get to do that, put my own spin on it. Some of them are a little more true, you know, to the traditional, you know, version, which is kind of done with like an epic orchestral feel. And other songs I just kind of completely flipped and reimagined and wrote new, you know, choruses or changed the melodies just to make it fit the, the cohesive sound that I wanted the whole record to have, you know. Now, over the last 15 years, it's obviously, you know, it's shifted a little bit what, what the exact sound, you know, would sound like. But the last several years, I knew I wanted it to be like a movie score to Christmas, right? Because if you think about the story of Christmas, right? Just if you just like the tagline, you know, or the synopsis would be, you know, a king is coming to save the entire world. Like that's so epic, right? Like, and I figured like, man, we need a, a soundtrack to that. That sounds just as epic as that story is, you know? And so that's kind of, I put a lot of, I have a TV screen on my studio and I play movies on silent while I work just for like visual inspiration, right? So I, I put up Lord of the Rings on the TV for almost six months while I was working on this album because I wanted it to sound like what it, what it would be if they made a Lord of the Rings type movie about the birth of the king, you know? And so that was kind of like my visual inspiration. Usually when I'm, I'm talking to somebody about their Christmas album, I ask them because usually it's, you know, 12, 13, 14 songs how they picked the songs and narrowed it down and everything. But this one has the, the birth of a King has 17 tracks. Was there anything that didn't make the cut that you wanted to do? No, interestingly enough, I feel like this is a very complete, you know, I wanted it to be like an epic in the sense of the word where it's like, this is a big full project. It's complete. It's a one and done. I didn't want to revisit later and do more. Like I, want, I just wanted to do this one time, one time <laughs> only. And so I went through, I went through and made sure I, I hit like, you know, obviously I focus on the traditional Christmas songs being the, the theme and the topic that I chose. And so every Christmas song that had 
to do with the birth of, you know, Jesus. Like I, I went with those songs and I made sure I hit every single one. And I, I, I don't think I'll ever add to this or make, you know, if I were to make a deluxe, I probably should have released a shorter album first, <laughs> you know, like 12 <laughs> or 13 songs and then put, put out another version with three or four more. But I just decided to do it all at once. So it felt like one big story. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful. And it is. It's just amazing. The song selection. I can't really think off the top of my head anything. I can't think of anything that's missing. It's such a terrific selection of songs and the order that you've got them in and everything. I think it's I hesitate to say mm. it's perfect because it sounds that <laughs> kind of ridiculous. But, I, you well, know, thank you. For, for what you were shooting for, I feel like, you you know, congratulations, you you certainly mm. hit the nail on the head. It's it's a terrific set of songs, you know, for somebody who's looking for one more version of Mariah Carey's All I Really Want. You're not going to find it on this <laughs> this this record, but it's terrific. Um, one of the standouts for me is What Child Is This that you have with done with Avril Lavigne. Mm. Was there... I know it's a little bit like asking what your favorite child is. Was there one of these that turned out that, that you like better than the others? No, honestly, I'm, I'm not just saying this. There's really not. My goal when I was working on this was I want to, I don't want to make one track on this album that I would want to skip. Right. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, let's just skip to the next one. And so I worked really hard, at least just for me personally, that I would, I would make something out of every song that I love that I wanted to listen to when I was done with it. And there were a couple that I could tell I was like, uh, you know, iffy about. And so I would scrap the idea and start over. And some of the songs I came up with 10 or 11 different ideas until I finally landed on the right one that felt like it fit the album, it fit the project and that I truly loved where it went, you know? So there were, there were ideas for some of these songs that didn't make it. But in the end, every song, you know, ended up making the cut. There was, I forgot, there was, I did have this big epic instrumental of Carol of the Bells that I was originally thinking I would put on there. And then it just felt really weird. It felt out of place. <laughs> you know what I mean? It had nothing mm -hmm. to do with the right. birth of a king or coming savior. So it just felt kind of like the black sheep of the group. So I, I ended up scrapping it and, you know, not putting it on the project. But I'm I'm very glad I did not. I feel like it would have felt a little. Yeah, when when you put that when you put that next to silent night, a holy night, joy to the world, away in a manger, it does yeah. it does feel a little bit like you said, it does feel a little bit out of place. But but all of the tracks here go together so nicely because I was a producer at a, a tr in traditional radio for a long time. I kind of know the answer to this, but but most people wouldn't. How did you connect with all of the artists that are on here? Almost all of the artists were uh, friends or people that I had worked with before. So there weren't, I think out of, uh, I think I had 17 featured artists on the project. And I think two or three of them were people that I reached out to for this project that I had not worked with before. But everybody else, you know, I just, I knew them, we worked together before and everyone was, you know, excited to be a part of it. I was really grateful. Cause you know, when I was, when I was working on these songs, 
as I was arranging the songs and coming up with the idea for them, a specific artist's voice came to my mind that I ended up latching onto and arranging around their voice and their range and put the song in the key that would be best for them. You know, I studied like their range, what's their highest note. And then I'm like, I'm going to try to push them one past that <laughs> to get them to sing the highest note <laughs> they've ever sang in their life. That was like the joke the whole time. Every artist would come in, they would just leave like looking like they just got beat up, you know, because we'd <laughs> shoot for these super crazy notes, but that's so necessary, right? To like make it feel epic and big. It has to have that powerhouse and all the vocalists crushed it. And so anyways, I was, I was specific. I had, I had a specific artist in mind for every single song. And luckily every single one of the artists that I had in mind initially, because I, I did the whole record instrumentally before I even asked the artist. I was just kind of hoping everyone would say yes. <laughs> so it was kind of a gamble, right? Like I might get some, I might have to, you know, go with a plan B. But I honestly, every single artist that I had in mind said yes. And so the original idea for every single song was able to be completed the way that I was hoping, you know, and intended. So super grateful for that. And all the artists were so amazing. Like coming in and just, yeah, what do you want me to try? And then <laughs> we'd try 30 times, you know, to hit these ridiculous notes. And it was super fun though. Like we, we all had a blast. It was really fun. I had uh, Michael Sinatra on the podcast a couple times earlier this year, and he was talking about putting together his new Christmas release and how he had to put it together almost like a puzzle where somebody, you know, several states away or even countries away would record their part and send it to him and, and he would put it together. Was that what you had to do for this? There were a couple artists that I had to, I, I FaceTimed while they recorded vocals at their studio and so i was kind of like vocal producing through you know a, a facetime call and giving them ideas and listening as they were recording saying what if you try this note and you know it was a collaboration we were on the phone for six hours you know while while they're recording the song it's a lot of the songs since they're so you know there's some songs that are very different or a, a, a new original chorus you know that i wrote for the song so i had to like teach them over the phone <laughs> like how to sing this so you know and then they have to sing it a bunch of times so it feels natural and not like they're kind of guessing you know what i mean so there was some of that but all the other stuff was done pretty much in the studio at my house like i, I did most of the you know the music and the production in-house but there were a couple singers that you know did it from their place but most of them came in you know it was at the very end of the process so it was you know it was a lot a lot later than when they were quarantining at first you know what i mean and we were able to knock it out and get it all done it was awesome this seems this whole project for the birth of a king seems kind of like a big risk because most if not all of these songs are things traditional radio is not going to touch because it goes it they're very tied into the the birth of the king they're very tied into the religious part of the Christmas celebration, you don't hear O Come, O Come, Emmanuel on the radio as not nearly as much as you'll hear Winter Wonderland or something like that. You had to know going in that this was kind of a big risk, right? Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, I had two, two uh, thoughts about it. One, I was like, well, you hear, you know, Celine Dion has a very famous version of O Holy Night, right? right? And like, 
there's other versions of Silent Night. Like you do hear it from time to time. You know, it's got to be. You know, probably some of the songs would maybe work better than others. Like some wouldn't be touched because of that. But at the same time, I was wanting to approach it like even if someone doesn't necessarily believe the story of the birth of a king is true, they could still listen to this project and just enjoy the the story aspect of it. You know, like someone that watches Lord of the Rings and they're not necessarily thinking it's a true story, right? But they're enjoying the epic story still that it is a, it's a crazy story. And then hopefully somewhere along the way, you know, they could still be touched by something or, or make them think as they're listening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's kind of, that was my approach. I was like, man, even if someone doesn't really, religious music is not their thing. Christian music is not their thing. I feel like they could appreciate and enjoy the vast nature of what the story is and it's still powerful and impactful, you know? Traditional radio just isn't what it once was, certainly not in 2021, and especially with the popularity of streaming. But you can look, anybody can look on Spotify even and take a look at the album and see that every single track on here has over 100,000 streams. Most of them most of them a lot more than that. So obviously, even though maybe radio is not going to play Oh Come All You Faithful, people want to hear it. People want to listen to this. Yeah, I think it all feels familiar and nostalgic. You know what I mean? And so, you know, my, my goal with this, the overall sound was, you know, um, most of my audience is, you know, gamers in their 20s because I do a lot of epic cinematic music and hip hop beats, you know, with it, like my, the majority of a lot of my, the stuff that I do is, you know, guys in their twenties who play, you know, Fortnite or call of duty, whatever. But my goal for this Christmas album was to bridge the gap between that audience and my mother-in-law who, <laughs> you know, has a, a furniture store that she, uh, you know, she sells like Amish furniture and she plays music in the background of her store for, you know, older ladies. And I'm like, man, what could I do that I can make an album where, you know, my mom and my mother-in-law would enjoy it and play it in her store, but then I won't lose my gamer audience, you know, younger, the younger crowd that wants something a little more edgy a little bit, you know, and kind of fits into what the other stuff that I do, the trailer music. So I tried to do, you know, some of all of that and everything in between just to bring everyone together. I wanted this to be an album that kids could listen to, 20s, 30s, 40s, and all the way up to, you know, 60s. I wanted it to be something everyone, there were several songs for everybody, no matter who was listening. You know, that was very intentional and very important to me that I didn't like just kind of narrow the audience. So it's kind of just a, a novelty album, you know, that would only work for a small demographic one time. I wanted it to be like something that was on people's list every year that they bring out every year for Christmas. It's part of their family tradition. You know, when they put up their tree, they put in the birth of a king and listen to it in the background. Like I wanted, I wanted it to be like that. Cause I had, you know, I had several albums. Everyone has songs or albums at Christmas time that they, they just listen to every year, the same mm -hmm. thing. It's, it's like part of the nostalgia for it. And so my goal was to, hopefully provide something like that for someone out there. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And for anybody who's listening to this who's not familiar with the idea of cinematic music and you hear us talking about it, it's not that you have to sit down and listen to the whole album from start to finish to get it. You know, right. it, you know, you can pick and choose which tracks if you're putting this into because lots of people all are all about their Christmas mixes and the songs certainly work like that, too. Um, but you don't have to feel like, OK, I love Silent Night, but it's the 10th song on the album. Do I have to listen to the first nine? Am I going to be lost? Because it's not that kind of, it's not that kind of thing. Each song is its own thing, but they all also work together. And the idea is just this huge soundscape of, of Christmas. Yeah. And I would say, you know, that while I say I don't have a favorite, I can't choose. Right. I, I feel like, the two tracks that have just organically stood out that I've found between people listening is Noel, this new version of it's like the first Noel with a new uh, added part at the end. Uh, it's called Noel. He is born. And then the version of Oh Holy Night, which is just like a, it starts really peaceful on the piano and builds into this big orchestra. And it's a duet between Torin Wells and Circina who just steal the show with their vocal uh, performance. I mean, the end of that song is we all get goosebumps still every time we listen to <laughs> how amazing. I mean, we worked for a long time, you know, to like get these notes and work on the, the harmonies and all this stuff. And that, that just seems to be, you know, the two songs that resonated um, the most, at least year one, which was last year, you know, we're gearing up for a big year two push right now. You know, it's funny how, I learned this is the first time I did a Christmas album. So I learned how short the Christmas music listening season really is. You know, I mean, I, my wife starts listening November 1st. She's one of those like loves Christmas music. She'll put it on as soon as she'll get away with it. So the day after Halloween, it's like all about Christmas for her. But I realized that's not the majority. Like (laughs) most people, the majority is actually after December 15th. Which I thought, I thought Thanksgiving was the next, you know, and maybe a couple people Thanksgiving or December 1st, but like you really have just a couple weeks, 10 yeah. days, really. Like this is a t- 10 day blitz. Let's do as much as we can in 10 days. And then it's dormant for the next 11 months. <laughs> and you got to figure out how you're going to bring it back around next Christmas, you know? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a very short window for most people. <clears throat> I mean, the sounds of Christmas is on all year round and except and we play Halloween music in October, but otherwise it's all Christmas music. And I didn't do that because I thought, well, shoot, everybody's going to want to be listening to Christmas music in June because no, <laughs> right. no, they're, they're not. But what I found <laughs> is that a lot of times people want a little feel of that Christmas spirit and they like to have somewhere that they can go, even if it's not during the officially christmas season time that they want to get they want to get that and and i and i find that i do have i do have people all over the world who tune in all year long so yeah so i had a few people i had a few people message me and tell me that you know they're listening to the christmas album through june and july and i'm like that's crazy i mean you'll always find (laughs) you'll always find some people you know that you're right that want to 
that might just enjoy a song and they want to listen to it and they, it gives them a feeling, you know, inside. And that's awesome. You know, it's really awesome that that happens. Yeah. And there are some songs that immediately do that for people. And it's not the same song for everybody. I probably get somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand songs sent to me every year for people who want their music to be added to the station. And we just can't add that many every year. And some of them aren't, I don't want to say good enough, but the, the artists aren't there yet. And, but Oh, Holy night and silent night are the two songs for me that still deliver that Christmas spirit. Anytime I hear them, I hear so many others that a lot of times it just doesn't, it just doesn't take me there, but I hear a holy night or silent night and I'm, I'm at midnight mass. I'm right. absolutely feeling it. I can, you know, I, I can, I can smell the Christmas tree. I get that almost indescribable feeling. And, and that's what I get listening to the birth of a King. I, I get that feeling. It always for me, it always delivers. So that's something really mm. amazing that you've captured. Well, and that's, that's really awesome to hear because, you know, I started this album in, I think it was March and April. And I'm like, man, it's really hard to get inspired to record Christmas music in April. <laughs> oh yeah. So I, I have, you know, I have like my whole studio is a uh, Phillips hue lights. So I was turning them like green and red and I put up a Christmas tree in my studio and I was just, I, I was just trying to like feel Christmassy. And then I realized, you know, it's really not, it's, it's not, first of all, it's not going to ha- happen <laughs> just and- from ma- making my, you know, studio green and red. And it's not really a green and red album. Like you said, it's not winter wonderland. And all I want for Christmas is you. It's, you know, the Lord of the Rings ish. So I kind of changed my tones and made it more, you know, like a, wintry gray skies mountains castles like that's kind of the the epic vibe that i needed you know visually to like go where i wanted to go with the album but i wanted to make sure like you said i wanted to make sure it had the thing that when people heard it they felt like christmas and it was it was fun exploring for that you know you have, you have to like work to find that and make sure that you're capturing that feeling of Christmas in someone's chest. It's a tough thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. With, with a project as big as this, something that has been on your agenda for, it was on for, for 15 years, really, until you finally saw its completion and, and it's out there in the world. Did you have any sort of, I don't want to say regret, but when it was all done, you know, sometimes in January, people get, get a little bit sad that Christmas is over that there was this big buildup and it happened and now it's, it's over. Did you, did you have any sort of feeling like that when this was something you'd been working on or working towards for so long and then there it is and it's done? Um, you know, that's an interesting point. I, I don't know if I felt, I, I don't, I don't think I regretted anything. I think I felt more like, Oh, well that was quick. Like all this buildup and then it's <laughs> over, like you said, but knowing it's, it's going to come again next year and right. the year after. And what, what can we do to like, for me, it was just such a fun, like lifelong bucket list project that I wanted to do. It was really special to me. And so I was like, man, what, 
you know, for the next 10 years, that's the passion project that I want to pour into promoting every year for the next decade, you know, just because I, it's just that, that project to me, I think it always will be, you know, I'll do several other things, but that was like, that stood out as special. There's no other project that I've been wanting to do for, you know, 10, 15 years that I haven't gotten to yet. That was the only one on my radar. So I don't know if I'll ever really quite have that again. You know, that pressure of like, man, making something that I want to make sure lives up to the expectation in my own head, right? Like, and really pouring, you know, pouring six months, you know, 12, 13 hours a day. I was, I was like in my studio with like, messy hair and just scribbled, you know, notepads and paper all over the place. Like, you know, some crazy scientist that's like working on something, you know, that's how I felt in the process of that. And it was just like, you know, just really rewarding, you know, to finally put it out and just continue to, you know, promote it the best I can for the next, you know, several years and just see what happens. And you have said that there's not a, a follow-up album. I mean, obviously what the birth of a King two. I mean, right. really, <laughs> the um, birth of another king. Right. The, <laughs> the, the only thing that I, I could think of, and especially with all of the um, conversation about the Lord of the Rings as sort of just the, the, the kind of epic inspiration, is some kind of an Easter album that actually could be called The Return of the King. Mm. Anything like that oh. on your radar? Or? Um, I don't know. I thought about possibly, you know, is there a way to expand this? king series right being you know the 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 you know the almost doing a, a double album like the the death of a king and the king is alive or something with the death and resurrection kind of thing for easter right i i feel like there's not quite that many easter songs and i also feel like easter songs don't really extend to you know, as many people as like Christmas songs, you know, it's like a one time a year that like someone who's never, you know, gone to church in their life still knows silent night. You know what I mean? Like it's still, Mm -hmm. they, they're familiar with it. You know, I feel like the only Easter songs are probably older hymns or some recent, you know, worship songs or something. So it is an interesting idea. I'm not sure, you know, I don't have, this grand vision for it yet but i do think that's it's a pretty interesting idea to like continue the the series in the same way that i you know kind of looked at christmas other other uh, events that i could make a soundtrack for around you know that would be if it comes if an idea comes i certainly won't ignore it now the idea of cinematic music is certainly something that's not just about Christmas for you, you've you've got six or seven albums of cinematic songs where you've taken songs mm-hmm. some people may know, some people may not, and done the same sort of thing to them to make them sort of an epic version of the song. Have there been any Christmas songs in any of that? Well, I did put out a Carol of the Bells like eight years ago. You know, the one I said I was going to maybe put on this Christmas album, I was right. going to redo it. Now I was going to like redo the track, but I just, since I decided not to, there is a version of Carol of the Bells. It's a little more like piano driven. It's like a Beethoven piano piece mixed with epic orchestra, you know? Um, But all of those cinematic albums I put out, those are like original songs that me and the artists write together and we write them for TV and film. 
but then I, I've also done a couple covers. Like I did one album of covers where, you know, it's songs like Can't Help Falling in Love and You Are So Beautiful, In the End by Linkin Park. You know, we did some, you know, familiar songs um, as well to pitch for movies and TV film, but also, you know, just to, for, to release for people to listen to. You know, a lot of people listen to epic cinematic music, but I don't think a lot of people know about that crowd or that genre of music you know if it's not country pop or hip-hop it's kind of just not really considered but like man there's youtube channels with millions and millions and millions and millions of subscribers you know of people that listen to this music when they work out or when they're you know on their way to soccer practice to amp them up you know like just to make Mm -hmm. life feel exciting and epic (laughs) like a lot of people listen to this stuff you know Oh yeah. And again, and I, I don't I hope every single podcast I do doesn't sound like me wailing on traditional radio, but really traditional radio has seems to have this view of their listeners that they only like this very narrow slice of music. And I think mm. everyone likes lots of different things. You know, you can you can like Bon Jovi and you can like Frank Sinatra and you can like whatever is the newest thing that's coming out today and you can like the Glenn Miller band and it's just crazy that they have this small view of it and I think that's one of the reasons that streaming is so big and YouTube is so big because everybody can go and and they can find exactly what they want and it Mm, doesn't have to be the same hits when I was still in radio and it uh, and they started to do the all Christmas music thing around Thanksgiving. I love Christmas music. So I was excited at first. And then I was disappointed because it's the same short list of songs over and over. You know, yeah. Just just like what radio does the rest of the year with the regular music that they play. And, and people just don't listen like that anymore. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's more of a playlist kind of generation, you know, where, you get to compile your own songs that you like. And some of them might be, you know, a indie artist, you know, that has 3000 listeners, you know, and like, they're the only ones that have it on their Christmas playlist. And that feels special to them. You know what I mean? Cause it's not this, mm-hmm. you know, massive thing, but yeah, it, it is funny. You're right. Like radio kind of, I think, think it's kind of a older mentality, like thinking it has to be this or this, or it's not going to work on radio. Like, I think more things would work on radio than radio people think <laughs> would work. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and it's gotten to the point now where people like you who are creating music don't have to have that in the forefront of your project. How's this going to play on radio? What, what part yeah. of this album is going to be the single that's going to get on radio stations all over the country? People just don't, artists don't think like that anymore. Right. Yeah. More and more. I've had, I've had so many artists come into my studio and they're like, Oh, I don't want to write for radio. Let's just make something that I love. And I think that's so important for artists to make just music that they love, not to try to fit into what will work for this or what will work for that. Like if you start making music that you think will only work in a certain scenario or environment, you're going to, lose excitement and passion for it and you're going to stop doing it you know that's why a lot of bands after two albums you never hear from them ever again because they were just trying to do what they were told would work and then 
even if it does work, they don't enjoy it. Cause they're like, that's not even the music I want to do. At first it's exciting. Like, whoa, we got a million, whatever, a million streams. We got this, we got a song on radio, but like, honestly, any kind of achievement or accolade or whatever you might reach or get to, it kind of feels empty after it. You know what I mean? You, you think like, Ooh, if I could just achieve this or get this stat line in my bio, I would, it would be, you know, amazing. And I would be so happy every day. And it's just simply not true. Like you can, you can be miserable if you're just working on something, using your creative gift and passion towards something that you're not excited about is probably one of the worst things for a, a creative to spend their time doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And, and, you know, and just in talking about that with you now, that's part of what I think makes the birth of a king really special is that you can listen to these songs and and you can feel that the people who are making them, whether it's Tommy doing producing and, and doing um, music or whether it's a particular artist that's singing or whatever it is, you can feel that it matters to them because mm. there are going to be Christmas albums that come out this year and the ones that came out before and ones that come out next year where you're going to hear songs from artists that you know, I'm not going to name any names, but where they go through eight, nine, 10 Christmas songs that we all know. And you're like, eh, it's another version of Jingle Bell Rock and there's nothing special about it. And it feels <laughs> like, and I like, yeah. Jing I like Jingle Bell Rock. Don't get me wrong. But when somebody just goes in and plays the notes on the page and you know and it's the same as any other version and you can and and you feel like they're just doing what somebody said let's do a christmas album okay here are the songs totally yeah whereas yeah. and i i think that every artist kind of feels like they have to do a christmas album and it feels like a side project kind of like uh, let's just do this in a couple weeks and get it out right it, it's like right. we don't have an album for two years let's put out a christmas album and it's like you know kind of yeah it's kind of just thrown together so they you can hear that voice singing the songs that we all know but there's nothing really new about it or whatever so that's why like i totally agree like it's it was interesting like this is like a main main my main my most main project i've ever done <laughs> it's you know it's not like a side project you know put together most people probably wouldn't see the value in spending six months on a Christmas record. It's like, let's just come in and sing them in a couple of days. So we have one, but I wanted it to be like a special journey that I would remember forever. You know what I mean? I think okay. it deserves that. Yeah. So <clears throat> is there anything big like this that you have on the horizon? I don't know if I, I don't know what it, what it is yet i'm kind of in the place of like i just did that i obviously have projects that i'm working on for you know in my cinematic sound but i don't i don't know if it's on the scale of this christmas record you know it's more like a project for tv and film you know or whatever i i really enjoy doing covers of songs like songs that are super well known you know and just kind of flipping them and doing something new with them I think I'll probably be doing more covers in the next couple of years, but yeah, I don't, I don't really have the next big album idea yet. I'm just kind of waiting for that to hit me. <laughs> I got to say, I really enjoy the covers album that you did. I think this came out last year. It did. Yep. Okay. Early last year. 
and it's a really interesting mix of songs and it really underscores what we were talking about about the way people listen the way real people listen to music because you've got you've got eye of the tiger and you are so beautiful and you've got in the end the lincoln park song and you've got gilligan's island and i i think that's just i, I think that's terrific that it's just that it that it's you know i don't want to say it's an eclectic mix i think that this is the kind of way this is the way that real people listen to music they like a little bit of everything. <laughs> Let me, I feel like I should explain that one because there is a story. I, I forgot when you were naming the songs, I forgot that that was on there. I actually had most of the album done and I was like, it just feels like it needs something that's like, like me, like really off the wall and like random. Like that's my kind of humor is like random. Mm-hmm. And I've always done like, you know, parodies and funny videos my whole life growing up. Like, that's just a part of me. And I'm like, I need something on here that shows that we don't take ourselves too seriously. We could do something funny, but make it cool at the same time, you know? And so I, my friend Nicole was over. I was like, what if we do like a old, like a, like a 90s sitcom theme song and trailerize it, like make it dark and epic, you know, like the full house theme song, <laughs> like <laughs> make it like like we were going through all these ideas family matters you know what what could, the Folgers theme song <laughs> you know like what can we do that's like funny and as we went through we were looking at lists of songs and we were like what about gilligan's island because it kind of already has like a a minor minor chords and a feel to it and so we just like what do we reimagine the gilligan's island theme song because it'll be hilarious that we did it but then when people listen to it it'll be like one of the coolest songs on the record and so we just came up with that idea to do that. And I think, I think that was, that was really fun. I was like, it'll either flop or people will love it, but it doesn't matter because it was just super fun to create that and make it and just put it out and <laughs> just show a different side. You know what I mean? And the, the really fun thing about it, at least for me, is that you can listen to this covers album and you probably know if you don't know every song, you know, almost every song. So, you know, the words, but it's, but they're different. So there's that, there's that brief period of time as the songs going on where your brain is trying to place where I know this from. And it does the same thing with Gilligan's Island that you're just, because it's (laughs) unexpected. If you're not looking at the track list, it's, it's unexpected. And you're like, Oh, this one. Okay. And, you yep. know, and it takes a minute for it to hit. And then it's just, and then it's funny and it's cool at the same time. Yes. Oh, totally. No. And I, I think, I think I'll probably explore that side a little bit just cause you know, it's like you could cover songs all day long and then it just starts to become, you know, a little, you know, a little boring if you're just doing the same thing over and over. So when you do something like that, where you, you know, really reimagine something creatively and make something that's awesome out of a funny idea. Like <laughs> I just love, <laughs> I just love that, you know, and it's funny to watch people react to and think how, how are they going to respond to this? It reminds me a little bit about of Chris Cornell. He recorded a version of Billy Jean and it's a very bluesy, almost visceral kind of version. And 
if you don't know it's coming, you're just sort of listening to his album and that song comes on and you're like, why do I know all the words to this? Yeah. <laughs> and then it and then it hits you. Oh, my God, that's the Michael Jackson song. And it's the yeah. similar thing with this. You're listening to this and you're and and you're like, OK, I know that one. OK, I know that one. <laughs> and there's there's two very different takes on Can't Help Falling in Love. And and then you get to this one. You're like, wait, where is this from? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, yeah. Gill- that's Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yeah. And I also wanted people that would look at the track list to be like, Okay, okay, okay. And then when they hear that, to be so curious, what they did Gilligan's Island and instantly click on it to listen to it, <laughs> you know, yeah. like curiosity. What would Tommy Prophet do with Gilligan's Island? I got it here right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny when I first saw that, I thought, okay, I'm sure that that's not what I think it is. It's got not a, it's, that Gilligan's Island. <laughs> right. It's probably something no, it else. Is. And, no, it actually is. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's just terrific, and it's and it absolutely shows a sense of humor, and that you don't take it too seriously, and that it's fun. And then you know, and and I love that bit of surprise when you realize what the song is. Like that's terrific. <laughs> what else is coming up for you? Anything else that you want to mention? <laughs> or no, you, you know, can? besides just hitting the Christmas record again, and then seeing what next year. I mean, I so I do a lot of producing for other people as well, right? I'm always working with right NF. He's my, he's one of my closest friends. Um, we, we do all his music together. So I'm always working with him, working with a few other artists. And then in between, you know, I just work on this trailer stuff, just coming up with ideas. You know, I just, I'll, I'll just keep making covers and original cinematic songs, but I don't know exactly what, what they're going to look like yet, how they'll be packaged. You know, I have this series of like, I started with cinematic songs, volume one. Right. And those are like the original songs that we write for movie trailers. And it's just kind of kept going over the years. And we just put out volume seven earlier this year. So I imagine at some point next year, there will probably be a volume eight. That seems (laughs) like the next natural progression. Uh, I'm going to stop probably at like volume 10, you know, I'll do 10 and then I'll keep making them, but I'll just call them something different, you know, because when honestly when was the last volume 11 of anything that you were excited about hearing about <laughs> right, right 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 oh look it's volume 27 into, yeah yeah now th- now that's what i call cinematic 42 <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> what's the best way for people to find you okay so all of my uh socials and website everything is just tommy profit um however i spell my name a little differently Tommy is spelled with two E's instead of a Y. So I always say like Tommy Prophet is two M's, two E's, one F, two T's. That's never, no one ever gets that right. (laughs) They'll spell my name IE or give me two F's in my last name. So that's my, uh, my little motto is two M's, two E's, one F, two T's. And everybody can find whatever they need to know from your website. Yeah. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, a website. I'm on TikTok now, trying to figure that whole thing out. <laughs> and so anywhere that you consume any of that stuff, they could find me. Terrific. Well, Tommy, thanks so much for spending some time with us on the podcast today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was fun talking. Appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening, helping me share some Christmas spirit and for helping this podcast continue to grow. We're on about two dozen different podcasting sites. And since you're listening to this now, you obviously found us somewhere. 
But if there's another site you like to use for podcasts, check out our podcast page on our website for the complete list of everywhere you can listen to the Sounds of Christmas podcast. And that website is soundsofchristmas.com. Then just click on the podcast tab. For the Sounds of Christmas station, to listen to the music, you'll need to stick with our website or our app in the Google Play Store. If you have comments or suggestions, feel free to reach out to me on social media or through our website. Thanks again. And may you always believe in Santa Claus.